Nintendo Super Podcast. Welcome, guys. We're going to review today Habibi. It is I, uh, Brennan Khan, your host. Uh, and here is our co-host. Hey, Matt Curley, everybody. Hey, welcome back, guys. Uh, so this is a really large book, but uh, it's about 700 pages, Habibi, as promised. Um, yeah, but before we get into that, um, do you want to talk about... This is my pick, um, and I think you're going to summarize it, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about why we picked this, or why I picked this, and why you... All right, so uh, so Brian, why did you pick it. this? <laughs> so why I picked this, well, it was suggested to me um, after I read Blankets, um, because Craig Thompson is awesome. He is both the author and illustrator of this piece, and it's such a huge accomplishment. It's 700 pages, I, I'm guessing, from last time I read it. It's been a minute. Uh, Matt, it's, like it's like 697 or something Yeah, close like enough. That. Like, yeah. what an accomplishment. I'm sure holding this, like, full book in your hands after you get done with it, the printed, the hardcover, I think it only comes in hardcover, but holding this book, and it's gorgeous, like, it's, like, got gold, shiny bits on it, not actual gold, but, yeah, it's really impressive looking. It's got to feel great accomplishing this kind of book. So, yeah, so picking this up, like, in a graphic novel, like a comic book store or a gra- graphic novel shelf, in Barnes and Noble or whatever, it's really enticing. Like, it makes you want to read it. So that's a big part of why I wanted to read it. And the author is awesome. Fair and enough. And you read Fair it enough. because I suggested for this podcast, I guess. Or did somebody suggest it to you before? Well, I mean, it had been suggested to me before, and it's just one of those things that it's very daunting when you uh, when you pick this sucker up. You know what I mean? Because you pick this up and you're like, holy cow, this is going to take me forever to read this. Um, yeah. And so, you know, my brother-in-law had let me borrow it. Well, my brother-in-law had give it to, given it to my mother-in-law, and then she read it, and then she gave it to me afterwards uh, to read. And it had been sitting on my shelf for a while uh, just because it was like – it felt like a big commitment. It felt like it was going to take a long time, and it really didn't, surprisingly. It only took a couple days, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why I, I paused for a minute uh, instead of diving into it when I first got it. Yeah. And then you wanted to read it, so I, I read it, and here we are. You did it, and you did it pretty quickly. How quickly did you read this? I guess you read it on the train. Uh, I mean, yeah, I read it. I think it took me, uh, I would say, like, I don't know, three, three, four, four hours, what? maybe. What? Get out. <laughs> Took you four hours to read 600, 700 pages. Yeah, but, like, you know, there's a lot of pictures. Yeah, yeah, it's a graphic novel. I mean, I mean, it's not like I read a 700-page book in three, four hours. Right, but, it's like, to gra- me, I don't know, book. maybe I just get hung up on the pages. I don't know. Oh, and you're saying I don't appreciate the art? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm just that's saying, what I feel like that's you're trying moving. to tell me. That's moving. <laughs> four hours. I, uh, I'm a little insulted, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to remember this. Um, nonetheless, I'm super <laughs> impressed with you reading it that quickly. I, what I'm saying is I could not read it that quickly, uh, for multiple reasons, being a slow reader and then also just taking my time leisurely reading over it. So this, so not only it being 700 pages and only hardcover and quite heavy as a book, it's also as heavy in the material inside and the subject matter and the very adult themes that go on. So yeah, yeah this is, uh, that? definitely 
Yeah, it's not. De- this is definitely not suitable for work. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Barely suitable for the like train, I've, probably. It, and even that, I felt weird. Like I was like yeah. reading this on the train, and I got like a little self conscious when I got to certain parts because um, there is nudity in here, and there's like there's rape, and there's like you know a lot of it. people yeah. getting beaten, and like it, it's, it's, it's all very it's tastefully nuts. done, though. I think I think it's done in for good purpose of trying to explain. Uh, different ideologies and different like religious viewpoints, and um, yeah, I think overall, I mean, I think it's a feminist approach to those things and those very very heavy ideas. Um, so I don't think it's done just for the sake of being like a dirty book. Well, and it's definitely not done for the sake of being a dirty book, but it is. I mean, it serves a purpose. Uh, these everything that happens in this book, like. It, 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 none of it is like gratuitous, and none of nothing is. It's not just done for the sake of being done. Like it all feeds into the context and the beauty of this book. Um, you know, and that's. I mean, that's how I. That's how I felt. You know, I, I could see where somebody might be saying that the nudity or the sex or the or the whatever was gratuitous, but I don't. I don't feel like it was. You know, it, it felt. All like it was serving a purpose. Yeah, totally. To me. Yeah, I think it, it pointed to. Um, now it was definitely extreme, but it it pointed to important parts not only in the story but also describing, you know, those very serious issues. Um, yeah, and and in sort of an out of place, out of time uh, story. So it's hard to tell exactly what time period this was taking place. Or like. Um, well, and I looked this yeah. up because I was very I was curious. Um, and it is, it's, it's supposed to take place in modern times, uh, and it, it takes place in a fictional, um, in a fictional world. Like, this isn't a, or a fictional country. Like, this isn't supposed to be one specific, um, Middle Eastern country, or even in the Middle East. It's, it, you know, like, I, I was reading Craig Thompson saying... Or, or I guess not saying specifically where this takes place, um, or even confirming if it was a Middle Eastern country or right. anything like that. You know, this is kind of a fairy, a fairy tale amalgamation of various places. Um, and so that being said, it does take place in modern time, though. Okay, okay, that good, is something good. that I read. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified so that. It's like a modern tale. It's it's a modern day fairy tale fable because it does feel and, very and old to, at the beginning, but then toward the end you you start to see like more modern time machinery and technology and things like that. By the way, spoiler alert! Yeah, and <laughs> we are going to be talking well, about right. the whole story and spoilering throughout. Yeah, so that is fair. So I I guess before we dive into it, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so this is our fifth episode. Um, the last episode we did in real life, IRL. And then this episode, we're doing Habibi. Uh, and then after this, uh, the next episode will reveal at the end of the podcast. Uh, but, Brandon, how can they contact us if they're looking to contact so us? So if you want to comment on this video, check us out on YouTube if you want to answer some of the questions we have throughout the video. Or if you want to check us out um, on iTunes, leave us a review there. You could do that. Uh, you could even subscribe. Uh, so I think if you subscribe, I'm kind of new to the iTunes iPod or uh, podcast thing, but if you subscribe, I think it downloads each episode when it comes out. So you'll then be subscribed to us. Is that correct? 
Uh, right. It's essentially if you subscribe, you can set it to that. Like you can set it to be um, to, to download automatically, and you can also set it to not do that. But if you do subscribe, it is super yeah, easy. Yeah, so easy. I love it. Our new our new episodes will just immediately so download. That. And then if you want to get get in contact with us on a more one to one basis, you can email us at drivemidnight at gmail dot com. So that's drive and midnight spelled the usual way. Uh, yeah, check us out on those places. Uh, YouTube, we very much appreciate like if you guys check it out. It comes out a little bit later than the um, the iTunes releases because I have to put the pages that we review and, and sort of like match the artwork of what we're talking about and then upload the video. But you can comment there and check us, check us out and ask questions, have rebuttals, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, perfect. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's pretty much all the housekeeping, so let's dive right in. Um, you know, in, in certain... In certain uh, episodes of the podcast, we've reviewed it page by page. Obviously, we're not <laughs> going to do that here because it's 700 pages. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to just give a brief summary of kind of the events that happen, and I'm also going to give them in chronological order as opposed to the order that they're presented right. in this book. So this is, you know, it's it's not a completely linear story, which I think is great. I think it really helps uh, keep everything interesting. Um so, I mean, the story is about uh, two characters primarily, which is, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I'm sure, but D- I, I looked at it as Dadula. Yeah, yeah same. What do you, yeah, yeah? Dadula? I mean, like, okay. we could both be incorrect, so but that's what I read. <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> so, uh, Dadula and Zam, with a Z, um, they're two orphans who are also kind of... Um, like these forgotten characters, right. uh, who it, it, it's this, it's it's their story. Um, so Dadula starts as being you know the daughter of of this person in a village. He seemed like a person of somewhat importance in the village, um, but she is sold into right. marriage because I think it was her either it's either her family or the village needed the money. So she is sold into marriage uh, and taken away, and she's very young. She's like a ch- she's like I would say like what seven? Yeah, young, young child. What yeah. would you think? Yeah, um, and and then she's taken away, and like this is kind of the first bit that you see. Like everything that you're seeing is um, it's kind of old school technology, right. uh, but. But then you see, you know, she's taken away on a motorcycle. So that kind of gives you the first sense that this is a, this is a kind of a weird amalgam right. world of of old and new and, and whatnot. Uh, then, you know, then she's taken it to her husband and, you know, the guy seems a little weird. I mean, like, her husband is a, is a little weird, you know. Like, you can tell he's, you know, not 100% comfortable with... Everything that's going on. It's weird. It's like, it's a very kind of, it makes you shudder and, and kind of be uncomfortable, this whole interaction with her yeah, and her because, husband. I mean, for in large part, she's so young. Yeah. Uh, and so. It's just, it's, you know, it's super then, uncomfortable. <laughs> that is definitely yeah, it's part very of uncomfortable. the decision of like uh, pointing out these things of old tradition and uh, 
yeah, yeah. marriage. Old, old school uh, yeah. marriage. And then, and then, so then, to try and make her feel better, because he kind of afterwards realizes, like, eh, this isn't great. Uh, you know, he he starts showing her how to how to read and to write, because it turns out that his job is to um, make copies. To uh, uh, what what is this position is he called? A scribe? Um, calligraphy. Yeah, like a like a calligraphy right. scribe, and he's making copies of these books and stuff like that. Um. And so from that, you know, she learns how to read and to write, and then she learns the stories of the Koran, which is, I'm sure, a book that they copy a lot. Uh, then, you know, bandits come, break in, and, and steal her away uh, and kill him. So, and then now she's put into slavery. Now she's a slave. And she meets, a, you know, and then, then again, we're going through chronological order. So... After that, she then meets Sam, who's a, who's a small boy. Uh, I believe she meets him when he's three. And then uh, nobody will claim the baby, and they're about to kill the baby. And she says, oh, no, it's my brother. Right. You know, it's, it saves his life, essentially. It's revealed later on in the book that, like, the mother of the baby purposefully didn't say anything so that the baby could be killed so that he didn't have to live in this life right, of... Right. Um, slavery, which is also really nuts and crazy. Uh, but then um, Dodula and Zam escape, and after they escape, uh, they go into the desert, away from the city and into the, the village and into the desert, and they find a boat that's in the middle of all this sand, and they dig it out like the boat, uh, you know, was barely visible. It was very covered in sand, and then they dig it out and they they make a home out of it, out of this out of this boat, uh, and you know, Tadula raises Zam, and you know, and and grows up with him, you know, becomes kind of a surrogate mother to him, but also like a surrogate big sister. Right. Yeah, a lot of different uh, roles in that relationship she plays throughout this whole book. Yeah, you know, and then she's telling him stories of the Quran and. Which are very recognizable stories because of the same stories in the right. Old Testament of um, the Torah and and then the Old – well, I guess I can't call it the Old Testament of the Torah because it's just the Torah. But it's the Old Testament of the Bible, like a lot of these stories. and then But it's told from the Koran. So like there's the story of um, right. Abraham, right? I believe it's Abraham brings his son up to the mountain to be sacrificed. Uh, and so – even even in this story, they present the alternate version, like, like the two alternate versions of which son he brought up, whether it was Isaac or what was the other one, Ishmael? Uh, Ishmael, yeah. yeah. Isaac and Ishmael being, um, and this is an important part because it recognized the dichotomy of the two religions, um, Islam and, and uh, Judaism, yeah. and later on Christianity, splitting off from these two Abrahamic sons, uh, one being Isaac, who I'm familiar with, um, and a lot of people in the West are familiar with being the son who is sacrificed, and also Ishmael, which is said to be the tree of people who came to later recognize the religion as Islam. Yeah, and and so like it, you know, it's these same stories with these little fundamental changes that like completely alter right. how it's taken. Um, and, and it talks about the differences in those stories that 
that you know and and it's crazy it's crazy the differences in the stories like Isaac you know was was taken up under false pretenses Ishmael was not and he still right. went you know what i mean so it's very interesting the you know Ishmael yeah, knew what he was walking into in but like it, i mean it speaks volumes um and luckily Abraham didn't sacrifice either of them in, in or, or in whichever story you tell because he's always stopped by the angel, um, which is great. But yeah, it's, isn't just, that it's interesting just interesting. That, so, I mean, clearly, well, it seems like only one story would have historically happened. So which – this this book right. basically which one says is, which, which is it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's the fundamental difference. That's where all these religions right. – kind of factor or, or, yeah, or yeah, frac- they fractal fraction out of or, this or one become the fractions they fractal totally. out of these yeah so and, and one set of beliefs so it's, it's just interesting and you have to wonder like how those stories started and how uh, I guess I guess like you know like who who's telling this this story and who's saying like somebody at some point the story was told one way and somebody at some right. point said well no yeah. it was the other son yeah, yeah, it was you know, that other it, So it's just interesting. Ishmael. That had to have yeah. happened at some point. So, yeah. So, anyway, so um, so they're they're growing up, and as they're growing up, Dadula's becoming more beautiful, uh, you know, and more woman, and, and becoming a woman, and and Zam was becoming a a, a, young, a young boy uh, with his his own hormones changing, and he starts looking at Dadula who was a big sister slash mom figure starts looking at her differently. Um, and, and then also feels ashamed right. for the way he's looking at her. Um, and so, you know, he's always kind of looked at her as a mother. And then one day he starts looking at her completely differently and kind of starts seeing, seeing her beauty in a whole different way because he's growing up. Um, and this puts a weird strain on their relationship because th- before they used to bathe together and they would sleep in the same right, bed right. and all that stuff. And now it's getting weird. And and so, you know, that changes. And, and because that change, because the doula treats it in such a way where it's just like, stop, Zam, stop, you're staring at me, stop staring at me. Or, oh, no, we can't take baths together anymore. And then she, like, sneaks a bath in at night when he's sleeping, and then he catches her doing that. Like, he feels wrong and terrible uh, about that. And, like, there's even a section where he gets an erection and then he right. like, punches yeah, it's, it. It's very and, heavy, very heavy-duty stuff because, you know, you know that they, they aren't of the same family, but they're taking on these roles that are sort of intertwining and becoming... It's It's a lot like things are definitely they're very gray and it's not black and white of this what's going on in this relationship um and yeah there's these natural hormones going on and it's and that's spelled out through the rest of the book um i usually see the progression of these two characters yeah yeah and so then you know as zam gets older he starts realizing that when there's a caravan dadula goes and gets supplies now, obviously, they don't have any money. Uh, Zam follows her one day and finds that what she's been trading for the supplies is sex. Um, 
essentially kind of prostituting out uh, herself out for the food to feed her and Zam. And she's been doing this for years. Um, and the, and it's, you know, and it's this guy, when Zam is observing it, it's this guy who's kind of like this, uh, I can't even, I can't even think of, right, like, right. I mean, essentially he's a rapist. Uh, and he forcefully takes, um, to Dula and right. Zam is like super taken aback. And that, like that also feeds into his insecurities about the way he feels about Dula because he, you know, every time he feels sexually attracted to her, that's kind of where his mind goes is to that, that man raping her, um, which doesn't help for his psyche in any way. So, you know, so as, as time progresses, you know, Zam doesn't want Dula to have to do that. So he vows that he's going to figure out a way so that she doesn't have to visit the caravan anymore. And so he goes out and finds, he finds this giant dam with all this fresh, beautiful, clean water. And so he's like taking this water to the, you know, he's bottling it up kind of and putting it in sacks and whatever, and then taking it to the village and then selling it for food. Uh, and then he's coming back and, you know, telling Dula that she doesn't have to go to the caravans anymore and that he can provide for them both. Um, and then I can't remember exactly what, but they, they have like an argument and, you know, and then Zam runs off to get more water and stuff like that and then to go to the village mm-hmm. and then it becomes dark and he doesn't come back. So Dula then goes and looks for him. Uh, and then as she does that, she gets captured and taken into, I believe she gets taken into slavery, if I'm correct, first. I think she gets taken as a slave first, and then before she ends up going to the palace. Um, so she gets taken as a slave, and then I believe is sold to the right. um, yeah. to the sultan's harem. And water is definitely a theme throughout this um, whole story. Um, even at the very beginning, when Zam is oh, absolutely, uh, well, is water and fire. Water is fresh water that they can actually drink. They are in the desert. They're in a very... Uh, it's it's um, it's an out-of-place story, so it's not in our actual world, Earth as we know it, but it is in like, a Middle East-type um, area where water, water is relatively scarce and only becomes more scarce throughout the whole story. Um, so I took it as, like, water is... Um, Definitely representative yeah. of life. You know, water is life. Even problems that we have today in our own country, as well as many other countries. Uh, and water is very much like this purifying thing um, that they all seek uh, here in the desert. So yeah, she right. gets taken off into this, this sultan's harem, and, and she's here for quite a while because it is so hard to escape this sort of hell realm. Yeah. I mean, she's there for years. She's she's there for years. I mean, so she she gets taken and is becomes part of the the sultan's harem, and then, uh, and then is told that if you know if if she pleases him seventy nights in a row, like the the sultan says that that no woman has been able to uh, keep his attention for more than a night, uh, that he gets bored easily. So if she's able to, 
please him for 70 nights, he will grant her whatever desire. For 69 nights, she pleases him out of his mind. Like, he can't even believe, you know, how, how amazing she is and, and in bed and all that stuff. And so, you know, on the 70th night, he comes out and he says, I'm bored. Like, essentially being like, sorry, you don't get to go anywhere. And she gets pissed because she's like, you're kidding me. Yeah, it's I, a game. It's a, you know, capt- a captor's you know, game. I, I, right. And then so she tries to escape uh, and then gets yes. recaptured and then thrown into the dungeon. And then the sultan stops her from being killed uh, and, and, and you know, keeps her fed and all that stuff. But at the same time, like... I mean, he's still also just another abuser. Like, like Dadula, her entire life is just surrounded by men who are abusing her, like her. And that's definitely a huge theme in this book: is that is abuse, like you know, by men against her. And you know, from her father selling her to marriage, to even her her husband, you know, forcing her to start doing these things clearly before she's of an, any kind of adult age. Um, and then, and then the the sultan, and the the caravan men who that she sleeps with to get food just to survive, like her entire life is kind of, you know, she's just abused right. and ab- like time and again by men. Uh, so, she, you know, she she then eventually uh, gets out. I'm trying to think if she, which what happened, what happens first, but she gets. She gets out of the prison. Oh, that's right. Okay, so it's the Sultan says he'll give her another chance, and in seventy months she needs to be able to turn a vase a vase into gold, or like water into gold, or something along those lines. So she says, okay. So she's now out of the of the dungeon and back in the harem, and you know, of course, the Sultan still is constantly you know having sex with her. She eventually gets pregnant with her own uh, baby in the Sultans and uh, gives birth. And the entire time, you know, she has this baby and this baby's around, she, all she can think about is Zam, the child that she, the first child she raised. Where is he? Whatever yeah, happened still to him? She need to take care of This care entire, of her you know, all this. Right. And who's, yeah. who's at yeah. this point, been missing for years from her life. Uh, she's been, you know, she's been part of this harem for years at this point. And she and she can't stop thinking about him. So meanwhile, uh, this entire time that this has been happening to her, so Zam comes back and looks for Dadula uh, at the boat and can't find her. Then he goes to the village, and then he's starving in the village, right? Uh, and has no idea what to do. Uh, and then eventually gets taken in by these eunuchs, these men who have decided right. to cut off, to, to castrate themselves so that, uh, and live a more pure yeah, woman totally. existence. So that's another element that's in here is, um, is kind of these, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm trying to think of the correct term for well, it. They, is they it embrace femininity and they... Femininity. They take... It's not... Is it transgender? <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know from from reading the the dialogue and 
and, and well, all of that, all exactly chosen... which gender they choose to engender themselves, but I know that they embrace femininity and they are eunuchs and have taken... Well, they, they, they do... They do straight up say that they're they're women. Okay, well, like that is so then, that is said. Then they would I would take them as as transgender women for those who transgender women. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another that's another element of this. Um, you know these these women say that they were that God endowed them with the spirit of of femininity and the spirit of women, so right. that they changed their outer appearances to meet the, you know to meet their inner uh, beauty. Uh, and so they take him in. And they say essentially that if you if you would like to stay with us and if you'd like to be pure, and you know if, if you want to keep staying with us, you, you have to become a eunuch. You have to you know you have to go through castration. Right. And Zam, who his entire life has felt bad for his sexual urges, has repressed those sexual urges, um, and and constantly sees those sexual urges as demon things, uh, decides to go through with it. And to and to be castrated, so he gets castrated, and then so then he starts dressing like a woman, and he grows his hair his hair out, so his hair is long, and he lives as a woman with these other women. Uh, and they do that for for a couple years, and then what happens is um, one of the people, one of the ways that these women get food is that they go around. And people give them food. Like, they will kind of annoy people <laughs> yeah, until they give them food that's great. <laughs> or money to go away. And so one of the – what Zam does is uh, he, you know, he, he, he joins in and he's doing this with them. Uh, and then one woman prostitutes herself out, and that's another way that they get money. Well, that woman becomes – she gets beaten mm-hmm. by someone, becomes sick. And, and can't really do that anymore, and they kind of need one person to do that because they they need that income. Like that person, you know, that woman made the most out of all of them was the, the one who was prostituting herself out. And so they tell Zam that he has to, or, you know, she has to be the one to, to do that next. And so she goes to do that and then gets captured. Uh, gets captured and sold you know, and becomes a slave once more uh, and gets sold to the Sultan because they, I, I don't know if it's in their religion or, or whatever, but they, um, they can't or won't uh, castrate people, but they will buy slaves who are already castrated. Interesting. And that, and they want castrated Men to work uh, in the with, with the sultan's harem because then they don't have to worry about them trying to sleep with the women because they can't. Right. They're castrated. Um, and so Zam gets sold into this, and then is then his head is shaved, and all of the the, the way that he's been living as a woman for years at this point is taken away from him, and now he's just kind of a eunuch, and he's treated as such and he kind of does stops talking he shuts down a little mm-hmm. bit and he's working on what's called the palace of tears uh which is where all of the women who get discarded from the harem now live uh so he's working there and one day i i can't remember exactly how it happens but one day 
he um he he ends up accidentally seeing oh i think it's he sees the eyes of one of the the women right, from right. the harem mm-hmm. and he recognizes them immediately as Dadula's right. eyes so then he breaks into the harem to kind of see if it is in fact her and it is uh and so now he becomes obsessed with trying to save that woman's life um to save Dadula's life and you know because he's so close to being reunited with her um and you know at this point then uh I'm trying to remember then it, I think at this point Dadula's son has been murdered so she no longer has an heir and her 70th month is coming up so I mean, how long is 70 months? How many years is that? That's a good question. It's a long 70. time for her to... So it's, fu- it's, it's almost it's, six years. So it's almost six years, and she had to try and figure out a way... To turn this water to gold. To, to turn this water into gold. <coughs> so she worked with the people that she, you know, that she's become close with, who are the other, the other slaves um, who work for the harem. And they are able to turn off the water in the palace, making the sultan extremely thirsty. Uh, and she has a a a, uh, a a vase full of water, a jar yeah, full of water. Yeah, she's got a master plan here. And you know, she's about she turns she essentially turns the water into gold by selling it to the sultan because he's so thirsty. He gives her gold. Um, then it's revealed that. Uh, it's it's revealed that 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 there was some sabotage involved, and the sultan gets pissed, and then declares for her to be killed, as well as he gets bored of all of his harem, and and that they should all be killed, and so the all the eunuchs are sent in to bag up these women, and and then take them out, you know, onto like the lake. Or wherever it is, whatever this water is, to drown them all. Like, tie them Mm -hmm. up in a bag, put rocks in the bottom of the bag, drown them all. Uh, So, you know, Zam rushes in, grabs the doula, bags her up, and then, like, takes her on this boat. And then when he's supposed to be throwing her off, like, into the water, he jumps in with with her. And then swims with her... uh, to, to safety, kind of. So they they escape that way, and then are kind of then then they go through. This is a long story, man. There's a lot of stuff that happens. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Going I'm just on. like in telling it and trying to summarize it. It's like right now we're at 30 minutes <laughs> in of the summary. So so then they they swim through kind of like this sewage pipe. Yeah, it, and it's end not up, clean. Yeah, they end up in this, like, disgusting, trash-filled yeah. lake. Um, and then there's a fisherman there who is fishing through this trash and getting stuff and catches them and brings them, you know, brings them aboard his, his small little boat and then takes them back to his house. And this guy is, like, the like the good Samaritan. This guy always has a positive attitude, is always looking out for other people, is trying to help other people. Uh, and he brings him back to his home 
so that Dadula can try and heal. So Zam, like, watches over her, and and the fisherman is more than happy to have them there. Like, he's, like, the best person ever. Like, he's kind of, like, the person that embodies everything that you would want humanity to be. Like, he's positive, he's looking on the bright side, he's looking at how he can make things better. Uh, Dadula goes through a rough patch, they're not sure if she's going to make it. Eventually, she does, and she lives. Uh, and then, and then, you know, not to get into too many details, but other stuff happens in this small village. Um, and then she ends up, le- you know, at at the end of their time at this village, and she's healed. They leave. Uh, when they leave, they try to go back to their boat. I believe, right? Yeah, maybe. Yes, they try to go back to the boat, and it, it the, through the years it's just been buried in sand, right. and and there's trash surrounding it as well, like so like they started dumping trash around where their boat was, um, and there's scavengers in the trash. Uh, let me try and see because now it's it's definitely a complex story. Yeah, for sure, and and it gets more and more. You know, as they escape, it becomes more and more about the scarcity of water and the what water means and how important it is to stay alive. Right. Uh, okay, so this is what happens. So they're living near the boat, and a garbage truck comes to dump more trash. And then they hop in the back of the garbage truck to, see, to, to take them where they, you know, somewhere they hope is better. And then they end up going to this city. Now... The, the other interesting thing about this story is that as you go through it, as you get closer to the end, the more technology you start seeing and the more you start realizing that this is taking place in a more right. modern time than is initially kind of Yeah, seen. the veil is definitely lifted um, as far as, like, how, how modern this place really is that they're living. Right. I mean, they end up in, a, they end up in this giant city. Um which with modern buildings and all this stuff, and so they end up finding a like a condo building that is that has been the construction's been halted for some reason or another, and they they end up finding a place that they can kind of make a home, and Zam gets a job uh, working at a plant, you know, bottling water. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so like another, the, there's the, the water is, is again, you know, the the whole time it's always been said that Sam, uh, his namesake means, you know, or, or his namesake is for what is it, Ishmael, right? And Ishmael could always find water. I can't remember exactly the I think connection. His name but, Zam is sure for like Zam, was, Zam, which is like um, something you know, like one who can bring water or bring miracles or something like that. Right. Right, and so he he was always able to find water, um, even when he found the dam and all that stuff. So it's just like it kind of comes full circle again. Now he's bottling water, and he's bringing right, bottled water yeah. home, and they're making a really great home for themselves. Um, and this entire time, Zam still has not told the doula that he's a eunuch. Like, that hasn't come up. He hasn't let her see him down there um, below the belt. And, and they're getting closer... Uh, together once more now that they're reunited and you know Tadula talks about how she wants to have a family she you know that like one of the reasons 
she realizes that one of the the reasons um, she wanted, you know, that she was never happy is because, and, and she could never accept her other baby as her baby. It's because it wasn't with him, and it, and she wants to have that life and that family right. with Zam, uh, and then this sends Zam spiraling because, he, you know, he chose that this is everything he's ever wanted, right here. He's always wanted to be with Dadula, and and it had all these urges and now he 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 will forever and you know now she's she's saying that she wants the same thing and now he can't do anything yeah, about yeah. that it's tragic you know, tragedy yeah he you know like he he uh on his own regard uh, his own choice you know decided to be castrated so now like that what she wants he can never give her yeah and he, you know, and so that's when he he reveals that he's like, I'm a eunuch, I can never give you what you want. We can never have that life together. I'm, you know, he's like, I'm sorry. This is, I chose this, and and he, he spirals into a depression, and then goes to the dam where he works. So, um, in working at the bottling plant, uh, he gets promoted to be kind of like a foreman at this at the dam, the same dam that he used to get water from. And he becomes a foreman, and he is now in charge of these people, uh, you know, at the dam. And so he goes to the dam. So this is the same dam that he got water from uh, earlier in the story and would sell in the village. He's at it, and he's looking down, and he looks like he's going to jump. And it seems like he's going to jump. Dadula thinks he's going to kill himself and and is extremely worried. and, And then eventually... He comes back, and she talks about how worried she was, and um, and there's a, like there's like a whole section where it's just it's just these words, and it's just kind of their thoughts, um, and it's and it's it's very beautiful. It might it might just be Zam's thoughts. Yeah, through, throughout the um, whole book, he Craig Thompson, the author, takes the idea of. The, this very calligraphic, like illustrative writing, uh, this Arabic writing, um, and he he makes it illustrative and he makes it a part of the the imagery and it is it's very it's a very melodic type of language and ri- written language, uh, and it's done beautifully throughout and it's like Matt's mentioning it's uh, it's used to describe Sam's thoughts here. But, uh, but yeah, it's almost an obsessive amount of attention to detail, the, how Craig puts together um, this Arabic writing and, and makes it part of the, the graphic nature of uh, a page or makes an illustration out of it. Yeah. And then, so then um, Zam, comes, Zam comes home and... And Tadula asks, where did you go? And he talks about, I went to the dam. I was going to throw myself off of it, but I couldn't. I chose to live. I do want to live with you. Um, and, uh, and and so that's kind of, you know, they, you know, she says that she wants to live with Sam. It doesn't matter that they can never have a baby together. She wants to be with Sam and, and, and live right. together forever. Um the next morning, they wake up to discover that the construction has resumed, on, uh, has resumed on the condo. So like they're only gonna they have to leave now. You know, like okay, they're gonna eventually find us. We have to go. 
Um, so they decide to then go to the desert together to live, I believe. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just looking. Ah, yeah, they're going to go back to their boat, and they're, or they're going to go somewhere, and they're going to find a place and create a life for their own. Uh, they, let me see. Um, and so they're in the, so they decide that they're going to go live the rest of their lives um, out somewhere else together. So they go to the market, they find this boat, this small boat with a motor, and they're going to buy it. Uh, with all the money that Zam has from uh, from working, they're going to buy this boat. They're going to take it up the river, and they're going to find a place where the river flows free and it's clean and it's not dammed off. They're going to find a better place, right? So they're about to buy this boat and leave when they see this little girl um, who's a slave, and you know the slaver is trying to uh, trying to sell. To, to them um, and you know and is like like in a very disgusting way and and then instead of buying the boat they decide to to buy to buy her to save her and you know this this little girl kind of becomes their child um, and and as they're walking out, you know, like Zam puts the child on his shoulders, and we see this beautiful shot of of um, Zam as a kid, right, and then as yeah. Dudula as a Pretty kid. Awesome. And they kind of they kind of talk about, um, it, you know, it talks and at the end of this, it's talking it's talking about the the Habibi symbol, right? Like, and what makes yeah. up the Habibi symbol, and what it means, and the drawing means, and 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 like. It being written over and over, like looks yeah, like a river and looks page. like waves and such. So it's it's that other you know description. It's 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 the bringing the water back into it, um, and then they they you know then they kind of did they walk off, like kind of like not quite into a sunset, but like they they you know they walk off into the future altogether. Um, it was a very long explanation. I felt that it was important to summarize it as best as I could. So I apologize if, uh, you know, of course I had to leave stuff out, um, and a lot of the imagery I left out, but that was just to, so we can get yeah, started let's, on let's kind of a discussion. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's We're 47 minutes in. at this point. So, right, I mean, that was the, it's, it's a beautiful story, and obviously my summary doesn't give it any justice, um, but that was just more contextual, so we can now move forward in our discussion, so... Yeah, I mean, it's there's so much in here because, of course, along with the story of Zam and Dudula are the parallel stories of the Quran that parallel their lives and parallel those struggles. Um, the talking about evil spirits, the talking about life and water, and just, I can't even... Yeah, the positive-negative energies. Yeah. Uh, the symbology of the, the water, which we've talked about, the... Touching on slavery and abuse, um, feminine and masculine energies, um, the the negatives of patriarchy and in those type of systems. It's a lot of heavy stuff in here. Yeah, <laughs> there there was some light stuff. Uh, there were a few gags. Um, 
like you said, that the, they were the eunuchs were like noisemakers, and that's sort of how they made money, and that there was some levity there uh, with them like annoying people, and then also the the sultan's assistant is this very like caricatured small person with a huge hat who like farts all over the palace there's yeah. a lot of that going on um but craig craig i've noticed um through habibi and blankets has is a very serious writer he's a he's very in the weeds um you know face to face with these brutal issues and then also illustrating these br- brutal issues on the page so you can tell yeah i mean like just to give some background i mean Craig Thomas is a writer from... Oh, Craig Thompson. Craig, I'm sorry, Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson is a writer from, like, the Midwest. Like, he grew up in the Midwest. So it's not like... Yeah. It's not like he's experienced these things firsthand. It's not like... Like, like this is a perfect example of what people can write when they're good writers. Like, you know, like we had talked about in a previous episode, um, you know, like that idea of, like, write what you know. And... Yeah. But, like... but that we felt that that didn't necessarily mean your experiences but the emotions and i think this is a perfect illustration of that you know obviously he's never you know he's never lived i read on his on his bio um online that he grew up christian so clearly right. he's never grown yeah. up you know muslim he didn't grow up in the desert he didn't grow up as a slave he grew up in the midwest um but i i feel like the emotions that are in this book are universal. That's right. why that's. I feel like anybody can read this book, and it's a, and, and take something from it because we've all kind of had these emotions. Obviously, we've never, you know, I've never been a slave. You've never been a slave, uh, or or I've never had to 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 prostitute myself out for food right. or, or any of that stuff. But but like the the raw base emotions of of you know I could relate to. Um, you know there was. I mean, there's a lot in there that you can relate to, especially so when Zam is feeling ashamed of kind yeah, of the yeah. the sexual feelings that he has. That's something I could relate to when I was a kid. You know, I grew up going to Catholic school, and you know, you were always you you were always told like you know, no sex before marriage, and only between a man and a man and a woman, and you know, like all the these urges you have to like resist these urges and like. You know, you're taught in that way. And so, like, when you get these urges when you're a young kid, you start feeling guilty. You start feeling like you've done something wrong. Like, there's yeah, something sinner, wrong with right? you. This whole idea of sin. Right. That it's a sin. sin that you just live with. Yeah. You know, that, that, the, that the lust or, or the, the erotic feelings that you have towards whatever, you know, whether it's a fictional character or a real person or whatever, like, that, that those are wrong somehow it's like it's not healthy and it's perfectly illustrated here you know what i mean like i can definitely remember when i was a kid feeling very wrong and dirty or something like that anytime like you know i got any uh, sort of arousal from something and when you're a kid when you're like 13 14 years old or whatever like you know the slightest thing can get you a little aroused you know what i mean like you like like uh, you're you're watching a movie like American Pie or something like that, and like you see a, a topless girl or, or or all of that stuff, you know. And when you're young, you're know, like 13, 14 years old, and you don't quite understand what these changes are happening to your body. Like you, you can feel wrong, you can feel dirty, you can feel disgusting. So like I definitely identified with that feeling that Zam had, 
You know what I mean? And, like, especially with everything that he saw Dadula having to go through, like, that reinforced how disgusting those feelings were. Right. You know, he never had yeah, a positive... for him. You know, he never had a positive sexual uh, experience, I guess, or, like, or person to say, you know, it's okay to have these feelings, you know, like, or, or like, to guide him in that way. Yeah, it's traumatizing for him and Tadula. Yeah. De- well, definitely both of them, very much so. And uh, going back to what you said about being a good writer, I mean, Craig is from the Midwest. I think he's from Michigan. That's a big part of what Blankets is about and him dealing with, I mean, he deals with a lot of, like, sexual themes even in, they're pretty heavily in that book as well and, like, hold it, trying to hold them back and his struggle with uh, his parents and how he was raised and his early religious self. But Craig has, he's written this book and he's obviously not from the Middle East or um, or, or has been uh, a Muslim person, or but he has, but he has done the research. Like he he has. Um, oh, absolutely. He has a travel journal which he has released. It's got a lot of sketches in. It's called Carnet de Voyage. Uh, we'll put a link to it down in the show notes. Um, but but he's done a lot of traveling um, to to gather this research. And I don't remember how long exactly, but it's. It is a lot of personal research, both from a visual standpoint and like trying to understand the culture and the people. Well, uh, so I that, think that's I read somewhere. I think I read somewhere that he started this in two thousand four, and he published it in two thousand eleven. So Sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right there. Right there. And, but also, again, he illustrated and inked and and yeah. calligraphied all of this. Like, yeah, yeah. That's inc- it's it's absolutely incredible, especially it is like incredible. the yeah. the Arabic writing in here is absolutely gorgeous like just everything about it and like these pages are designed so beautifully the layouts are absolutely incredible like like these each page is like a work of art like somebody's yeah, a master like, no, no doubt he's a master yeah absolutely like a master of his craft like the writing i mean and the writing and the art work so like so well together um it's it, it's i can't even describe it how speaks to the power of being in charge of the whole project like if one person and Craig talks about this why he likes graphic novelists and in that type of medium is he's able to be the whole process he's able to have his hands on each part of the process you know letterist inkist um uh pencil penciler and the layout person and also the full flow of the story It, it just speaks to the power if somebody's committed enough what could that that could mean for the finished story? And also, and that's like, not he, for he can put in he can put in so much stuff too because like he can, especially a, a big story like this. So, you know, when you when you read like a book or you read something like this where there's they're complete whole stories and they're supposed to be whole from the outset, you can put in so much stuff like at the beginning to foreshadowing and like parallel stories. Like there's so much you can do that you can't really do in like segmented like single issue things right like like, so like a single issue comic book which is just a monthly comic book you can't do the same things that you're doing in here because this is a whole complete story it has an ending a monthly comic book you essentially want to go on forever so you need it to be able to go on forever you know like you could do story arcs but you can't do a whole giant complete story if that makes sense yeah. You know, and like these characters go through drastic changes throughout their entire lives. Um 
that, and that's another thing you don't really get out of a monthly book because the changes have to be minimal. You know, you don't want to, you know, like you don't want Batman to change too much because you still want him to be Batman. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't, or or Superman, or or whatever. You know, that's that's one of the yeah. You can't the, put down the suit. Right. You got to put that suit back on. Or if he puts it down, you know, he's going to pick it up back up he's in two issues, right three up. issues, yeah. or something like that. He's going to crisis of self, like. Like these characters go through a a, a, a true life changing crisis throughout this entire story, throughout their entire lives. Um, it's incredible. I mean, just everything about this book is absolutely beautiful and incredible. And with that being said, uh, we are talking about both indie comics and independently minded and spirited comics. So that this this would fall under the independently minded and spirited column because it is put out by Pantheon Books right. uh, in New York. Uh, he, he did not independently publish this out, um, but to me it, it feels like he, he might as well have. Like, this is well, I mean, this, all Craig this, Thompson. I, I mean, right, but, like, also, you know, there should be a... I, I don't feel that, like, in order for something to be true... For something to be, to be independent, I don't think it necessarily... Or independently in spirit doesn't necessarily be independently published, um, or, or or if something is independently published, doesn't mean it's better than something that's not independent. Like I think, I think that like that word independent has kind of become like a weird hier- hierarchical um, word. Like like oh, this is indie and indie's better, or, but all that stuff because it's like like this is treated as if it's like a novel. You know, it's it's put out by Pantheon Books. It's not put out by a comic book company. Uh, I, I mean, maybe Pantheon Books is. I don't know. I don't know anything about Pantheon Books, but like, it's not like it's put out by like a, an Image or a DC or a Marvel or a Dark Horse or like that. You know what I mean? This is treated like a novel, and right. and that's what it is. I mean, it's a yeah. complete visual novel, not novel. You know, graphic novel, whatever you want to call it. Like, that's what this is. Um, so recently, yeah. did you see this in the news where New York, New York Times took out their graphic novels and comics bestsellers list? They did. They took it out because, well, then the reasoning was money, basically, that not as many people were interested in that list. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's very recent. Really? Well, on Twitter, like, who did it specifically. But. Yeah, which is a total bummer. Like, it, one reason I bring it up is I think that Blankets did win the New York Times bestseller list award. I'm or sure. was on the list for right. quite a while. I mean... And that's what gets a lot of these these sucks. graphic novels in the front of a lot of people's is it, the New York Times recommending them on a bestsellers list. Well, I think then what will most likely just happen is that stuff like this will get folded back into the New York Times bestseller like book list, you know, like stuff like this will just get folded into that. Like what, like, cause before they did specifically the, um, the, the comics and graphic novels, bestseller portion of it. I think if something got enough attention or if it was good enough, they would right. just put it on the regular, like Watchmen. Watchmen, I believe was on just the regular New York times bestseller list. It wasn't on the comic and graphic novels. Cause I don't think there was one. It was just straight up on... Was this in the that. 80s or was it during the movie? Yeah, in the 80s. Nice. Yeah, when, after the collection came out, after all 12 issues came out. Nice. Um, 
And so it's, you know, it's just, that's, that's an interesting thing that you bring up. I mean, yeah, I never, honestly, I never would have picked this up probably if, if, you know, somebody hadn't given it to me. Right. And I, I might not have read it if you, if you hadn't been like, okay, we're going to read this for the podcast, but like, I'm so thankful you did. Cause this is, this is a masterpiece. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is. It's like a, it's a magnum opus almost of, yeah. of Craig Thompson. You know, he's yet to make other things. I mean, he's still very much, he's a part of the culture, the graphic novels culture still making things. I think most recently he just came out with a children's book, Space Dumplings, which I haven't picked up yet, but. That's awesome. Yeah, so not not as serious as as um, these two that we're talking about, Blankets and Habibi. But this, yeah, this is a masterpiece for sure. He's a master craftsman. Um, yes. And, and you really get that from this. Like, you feel the craft in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You feel like, you feel, I mean, it feels like being able to hold, like, a very intricately created... Uh, like sculpture, like small sculpture, or yeah. or wooden, you know, like let's like like wooden chess piece that was inter- that's very intricate and like in its design and and in its complexity, like that's this that's is what, what it I would feels say like buy and own. <clears throat> For oh, me personally, I love having this on my shelf too, just to reference um, some of the layouts um, and, and some of the illustrations and the way he uses the Arabic character characters. It's fantastic. It's so so polished it's super polished i mean like i honestly i can't think of anything wrong with this book like i can't think of a single thing that i, I would have wanted differently i can't think of a sing i can't think of anything this is in my opinion a perfect work of art wow like it's a, this, <laughs> this is wow. this yeah. is i mean i would agree perfect. yeah I, I would agree so let's get to the let's get to the rating we could talk a bit more okay about it, so, so what we do on the on the show, if you, if you haven't listened before, is that we do um, the four color rating system. Uh, comic books originally, when they came out, were printed using four colors because that was all that was available for printing them. So that's what we base everything on uh, is the four color uh, one to four rating system uh, or zero to four, I should say. Right. Because uh, I have given things zeros. <laughs> uh, and so the, the the categories we look at is story. Uh, art and and coloring and then overall we we've kind of been skipping the overall I think like our overall right. rating one uh, but we'll do it for this one and I think I mean I'm not going to speak for you but I can probably assume that we're both going to give this complete fours across the board yeah I'm yeah I'm gonna right. I'm gonna give it all fours yeah no doubt it's it, I mean it's it's hard to not give this thing all fours I mean like the art well okay let's let, let's talk about a Individually, and we can kind of just gush a little bit more about how much we like this uh, this story. Yeah, and I will try to what, find some things that feel... I think could have been, and it's going to be hard, but I, I I could try to find some things that I think should have been in there, could have been in there. I mean, I don't think you need to though. I don't think we need to force. If if, if I mean, I think this story was perfect. I don't think it needed anything else. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to force. Criticism if there doesn't doesn't need to be there. I think my only like we don't my need only to, criticism we don't need to would be criticized to cri- just for the sake of criticizing. Right, I, I agree. Um, I th- I think my only point that I'm going to bring up that I wish was in there is a little more grasp on uh, <clears throat> being able to understand um, like the linear nature of of what's going on, and and that was already done really well, but 
it is it is a little harder to grasp than some graphic novels um, because it isn't strictly chronological, and there there is a lot of use of allegory and parables that come from the scriptures that are used in there, which I think definitely need to be in there. But there there is just for me a little bit of um, a little bit harder to grasp the linear nature of it. That's that's the only comment that I have there. See, and I would argue that 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 that's one of the things that makes this work this this work of art work so well is the non-linear nature of the story because it also makes you work for it it makes yeah, you it think does. about it a little yeah, it bit more it for it for sure um and 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 I, I like that you know what i mean it's it's not just a passive it, it's almost not a a passive storytelling experience it's almost a little bit I don't want to say interactive because that's not the right word, but it's it's more of a participate. It, it requires you to participate a little bit more, to use your own brain a little bit right. more, and to 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 read all of these stuff and and kind of think about how it pertains to the yeah, story, totally. how these stories that Dadula are telling from the Quran, what you know, how these stories relate to this, this the overall story, and I think the nonlinear nature of it also. It you know it reveals these things and it kind of makes you go back and look at the previous events that you've read in a new. Yeah, light. you definitely have to be paying so, attention. Right, like like there's stuff that you don't see about Dadula and her husband, her first husband. Uh, you see that in the last like fifty pages of the book, and it's like the first stuff that you really see, um, and it's. You know, and it completely makes you go back and look at the rest of everything a little bit differently. Just like all of these experiences and all of these things, it makes you go back and look at the previous stuff that you've read differently, which I think is incredible. So, are you going to read that, Blankets that, that now for Space Dumplings? Because uh, I don't wait. have it on my list gonna, for us to review at this point. Well, I think. I think we should, but I want to. I want to get a wide variety. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely want to yeah, read cast blankets a wide now, net. especially after, I agree. especially after reading this. I definitely want to read blankets. Um, this was my first Craig. Uh, I want, I'm going to say it wrong again. Craig Thompson. This is my first Craig Thompson read. Granted, there's only like what three, two, three. Uh, well, there's Carnage Voyage book. and blankets and Habibi okay. and now Space Dumplings. I don't know anything else okay. about his sort of discography of work i don't know of anything else but that it's not to, oh there is there's goodbye chunky rice bibliography bibliography um yeah. discography would yeah, be a music i was reaching for bibliography <laughs> but couldn't find it um there is goodbye chunky rice which is more of a a character kind of a cartoony piece of work okay i mean yeah i definitely want to explore more of his stuff um and I would like to review that st- some of the other stuff on the show, but I want to do that farther on. I want to, uh, you know, because that was something I've thought about too a lot. Because uh, the other book I kind of wanted to review sooner was Joe the Barbarian, uh, which was done by Grant Morrison and Sean Murphy. But I'm, I'm holding that one off because I want right. to get farther with other artists and other writers. Yeah, and we've already stuff. covered so Punk Rock I Jesus. Think we, we should do Blankets. Yeah. So I think we should do blankets at some point, but I think we should wait. And I think I might wait to read it for the first time for this. Awesome. Uh, so that it's fresh, you know what I mean, reading all this stuff kind of for the first time and with my initial impressions and whatnot. Uh, the artwork. Let's talk about the artwork. The, the calligraphy use in this 
it's crazy. Like, I really wish I could read Arabic. Oh, my God, yes. At this, like, when I was reading this, just, like, and there, I think, are, are translations in the back for everything that's written. Yeah, there's, like, a um, glossary for a lot of but, the visual, the visuals that happen. But, like, it's one of those things where I, I really want to ask someone who can speak Arabic or read Arabic uh, to read this, and I would love to get what their impression is reading everything. Yeah, that would be fantastic. As well as the English. You know what I mean? I, that's, an, that's a review that I think needs to exist. Yeah, sadly not us. Uh, <laughs> Speak zero, read zero Arabic. Yeah. Because I think that would completely change the storytelling. Because like, I'm sure that this was made speci- – I mean, of course, this is made knowing that m- most of the people who are gonna, probably going to read this are white or don't speak Arabic. I guess. I don't know. I don't know what his intended audience was for this. I'm sure it's just everybody who enjoys a right. good story. But, you know, I guess I, I actually don't know. I don't know what the st- statistics are on – how many people in America can speak and read Arabic? But I would love to. Uh, I'd love to talk to somebody. Yeah, who I'd does love to hear their opinion on, and, and on get their take how on this. legible or how yeah how much you can illustrate with Arabic and it still be readable. Like it, it seemingly you can. It, it's very plastic and pliable as far as you can how you can make different. Shapes out I mean, of it. I, I guess that's true. We're also assuming that this stuff says and yeah, makes we're sense totally in some that. way. Maybe it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe, like, I mean, I want to assume, especially with the amount of details and all that stuff that's in here, I, I'm going to assume that, you know, uh, Craig Thompson did his research, and it sounds like he did between the years of 2004 <laughs> and 2011, to make sure that this I'm stuff is I'm also really is, curious is about and, how many pages weren't legible and then maybe he ran by an Arabic speaker and reader and they said no that that's gibberish and then he needs to redo the whole <laughs> se- sequence I, wa- I gotta tell you I really wonder how he did yeah. that like I like unless he speaks Arabic I'm, I don't know I'm going to or reads it he maybe know. he does I don't I have no idea uh I'm I mean we're assuming that he did de- he didn't before this right. so that would be interesting to – if somebody knows, please yeah, write in. Yeah. Let us know if you know the truth. Um, so but so the art, uh, why don't you comment a little bit – I mean, you're an artist. Why don't you talk a little bit about your, your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's really – I mean, for the my main thought is it's really <laughs> intimidating <laughs> how amazing all these pages are and how consistent and fluid all the characters are, uh, which is something that isn't thought about too much. By some people, keeping character forms consistent and your style consistent, especially across 700 pages in years and years and years of making layouts and thumbnails and moving the characters into the final yeah. page in ink. Um, his process is pretty gruesome. I think you can check it out. Um, you know, at the time of the recording of this podcast, I think Dude is dot com is his uh, okay is his website. But I'm sure a quick Google search, no matter what year you're in for Craig Thompson will pull up his website and you can check out some of his process there um, yeah just a, a grueling pencil process ink traditional a lot of traditional work with inks um, I think that he now from what I understand he does a lot of uh, pencils as digital funny enough and then he moves those th- those pencil finals that he ends up liking over into prints which he 
does traditional inks on. Interesting. A lot of brushes that you can, yeah, that you can see here in Habibi, a lot of brush strokes and brush pins. Huh. Very, very traditional from the inking perspective. And then I think pulls back into digital to bring the contrast to the right spot, and like most people do now, for get it ready for print. Um, but as far as his style, one of my favorite styles ever. He's definitely like top three favorite artists of mine. Um, Blankets is also gorgeous. Uh, the way he caricatures certain human forms, and then as you come in closer in the panels, they become like slightly yeah. more realistic. And it's just a perfect push and pull there that he has on his characters in Blankets and in Habibi. Yeah, I could gush for a long time about Craig Thompson. I'm, I'm sure, sure we will in the future. Uh, this is all black and white. I I don't know if we mentioned that before, but that's, uh, that is typically how Craig Thompson has worked up until now. I know he had, a, he had um, an awesome colorist on Space Dumplings. I could just tell okay. by the preview shots. Um, that he had a great colorist there, but I think he was the letterist and the penciler and the ink person. Okay. For that book. Yeah, man. Um, I know you talked about art. Do you want to talk any more about that, or do you want to go straight to story and uh, overview? And, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as the art goes, I mean, I thought it was beautiful. I, I mean, I can't. I don't think I could say it better than you did. Um, besides, like, it was just, it was very complex, it, but, it, but it was beautiful in its complexity. Um, I mean, just everything. Like, like there were just pages that I would just stop and like look at the entire page and stare at. It. Like, there are just these pages that like yeah. oh my clearly God. he's drawing or designing or doing something with all of these pages, uh, or with these certain pages and like really making each of these pages like a work of art. Um, yeah, each each page could be framed. Right. In you my know, opinion. and like like don't get me wrong, there are definitely pages that I would be like meh. I don't need that frame, but like there, are, there are definitely pages in here that are just. I mean, with the with the with the beautiful borders that they have with his use of, um, like right now for an example, I'm looking at page two eighty six, and it's you know it's the it's like a Pegasus with a human head, so a Sphinx. I think it's a Sphinx. Oh yeah. You know, and someone riding on the back of a Sphinx, um, and it's very cloud because, you know. It, it's this very cloudy idea, and I believe she's. I think she's high. When she's telling this, it's like finally the prophet <laughs> right. reached. I believe that's Muhammad. Yes, on I the think right. Because the... finally the prophet reached the seventh heaven. Um, and I'm just looking at this border, and how intricate and beautiful it oh is. Oh my god! And like, yeah. It's one of those things where, and you don't necessarily notice it when you're reading it unless you stop and think about it. But when you look, like his use of of the space on the page his use of um like the the comic you know box boxes or or panels the comic panels and the breaking of those rules and like like just the drawings are absolutely incredible like even on page like if you a couple page pages sooner on 279 like on 279 she's uh, she's on her knees like praying and like says my child and and she's thinking about Zam and like you see these archways and these pillars and like this beautiful work of art and like you see Zam like tucked into one of you know in, in between one of and it's so seamless yeah, it's gorgeous. and it's so beautiful like his just his use of space and his use of um 
uh, like panels and layout. It's just incredible. Yeah, when he when he violates that Norms. those sort of those panels and those border yeah. rules, and he go and he he has what's called uh, like violators that happen that that bust out and cover yeah. the whole page. Um, it's really you know at the very least it's a subconscious way of letting the reader know that this is important information. That, um, and also, it's, an just, it's just portraying that uh, idea and that information in a beautiful graphic way, as opposed to just having it be in a panel or like have that person have like a thought bubble with a picture in that thought bubble or or whatever. Right, like it's just right. it's just a beautiful way to illustrate the points that he's trying to make and the story he's trying to tell. And this would be a great read, I think. Uh, this would be a great read for a symbologist, like somebody who studies symbols and their meanings. Because I'm sure there's a lot in here oh, that we didn't 100%. pick up on. From, like, religious symbology. Like, I know the hand of God, like, was represented a lot, well, that and, symbol. And that symbol also um, is, a a very, is a, also a very um, heavily used in Judaism. Like, we have it, – because it, it's, it's the hand of Miriam, which uh, – oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ignorant about that you symbol. Know, I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's – I think it's supposed to represent Miriam's hand. Um, and, and, and it explains it in this book and I'm trying to remember what they said about it, but like, I think it's supposed to like ward away evil, you know? Uh, but like, it's, it's very much used in Judaism as well. Cause like my wife has like a bunch of necklaces that have that hand. Um, we have candle holders that are those hands. So... Yeah, and there there's the typical like interlocking triangles right. um use um the Star of David as it's called. Well, right. The, the um, yeah, there's the, so much I mean cuz they talk about those triangles like the the one that's pointing up kind of represents men and the one that's pointing down represents women. The upside down triangle and the yeah, one yeah. combined is kind of like the the creation of, you know, I guess both and, and also... Yeah, and like the masculine, feminine, yeah. creative energy combined. There's just so much in here. Um, and I wish that we were more eloquent in our description. I feel like we're like... I feel <laughs> like we're just not giving it... You got us. We're not doing it justice. There could be a whole lot of religious study and understanding... Oh, absolutely. ...symbology that, we, that you could go into uh, and that we could study and still not get at everything that we like and it's also one of those interesting things too being christian and 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 being uh being raised christian and being raised catholic um i know a lot of these stories because the quran has a lot of these same stories like they even talk about jesus in this um the quran does mention jesus and mention jesus as being a prophet and recognizes all of the prophets that came before muhammad and just says that muhammad was the last prophet to come um. And so, like, it's. And I, and I'm not sure why his face is covered. I don't, yeah, I'm. Sh- I'm just ignorant am, to that. I'm I not am sure. ignorant as well. I don't know very much about the Quran, at all. Um, but a lot of these stories I did know. And so I thought, you know, I found that right, very interesting yeah, as well. Uh, how much, how many similarities? You know, like I remember when I so when I went to Israel, we went into a couple mosques, and and we talked with. Um, uh, I forget I forget what the designation is, but like the prayer leader in in the mosque, um, we were talking with him, and he didn't speak English, so we had a translator who was translating for. It was funny we had we were in the mosque and we were with two tour guides. We had 
They both spoke spoke English. So um, the one translator who was better at speaking English didn't speak Arabic. And the other translator who wasn't very good at speaking English spoke Arabic and Hebrew. And then the prayer leader didn't speak English. He only spoke Arabic. Well, I don't know if he only spoke <laughs> Arabic, but that's what he was speaking when we were there. Right. So he was speaking in Arabic. The woman who spoke Arabic and Hebrew was translating from Arabic to Hebrew so that the woman who spoke better English could could tell us what they, what the guy was saying. And so it was a very interesting experience. But, I mean, like, you know, he gave us a little brief overview, and he's like, you know, especially in these times where, I mean, hell, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Um, there was just a ban. I mean, there's a ban on... On, on visitors and immigrants and and all these things right now from Muslim countries. Essentially, it's right. a Muslim band, uh, which is ridiculous and crazy. Because, or, or yeah, President yeah. Trump, twenty seventeen. You know, and it, and and so it's, it's it's just it's this crazy thought, um, and, and like that that these people are inherently dangerous. That people who are Muslim are inherently dangerous because of their religion. Like, you know, th- this religious leader had told us. And this was, of course, before the election. Uh, when I was in Israel, this was like a week before the election. But he said, and I felt bad that he felt the need to say this. But he was like, you know, he's like, Islam is a religion about peace. It's it's about love. Like like it's about you know like it's it's got the same values that Christianity has and that Judaism has. Like. It, it comes from those places, right. yeah. you know, like it comes from that place. And just like any religion, you know, some people take it to an extreme place, but like that's not indicative of the whole. Uh, and, you know, and, and I think that that doesn't get recognized enough. And I think it's like – and I think it's another innate form of racism that we uh, – you know, that, that our current administration is – is is using it is like using religion to justify racism yeah it feels it feels now more than ever like i'm living in a, a comic book with a, a tyrannical person yeah making decisions that are i mean just blatantly wrong right. and terrible and and it's just and but it's it, real right life. it's real life and like no matter what data you present it seems to get ignored uh but yeah, like it, it's, it's it's terrible. It's just absolutely terrible that kind of th- thought and stuff like that. So I mean, just getting back to this, the I think I think a big part of it is you know before we get back is a lack of education on a lot of people's part. Like for instance, we don't understand. I'm not saying that we need to understand Arabic, but that just speaks to how we kind of stick to the West and the Western things, rather than opening up. Um, and maybe it's because we have an ocean between us, but that's no excuse yeah, to but you not know what? understand we, we, other people's we accept, religions. We accept British people. We accept <laughs> we there's sure an ocean do, yeah. between us. It's easier to understand, you I know, guess, because they speak English. Right, but right and, that's, and that's what it comes down to, too. Not, that's the dumb right, excuse. Like, is that the, yeah. People don't understand what they're saying, so they immediately fear what they – people immediately fear what they don't understand or immediately right. say it's wrong because they don't understand something. Um, right, and that's and that's a it's a terrible thing, uh, and it, yeah, and I, I don't I don't want to be an echo chamber for like 
I know we're both progressive liberal people, but and I don't want to be an echo chamber for just things that I think are wrong, and I I need agreeance on that. Like, but I've never ever found any, and you're never gonna find any good excuses for banning people from entering the country just because of their heritage and the well, and also it, because of their religion. I mean, like you're banning people based on their yeah, religion, yeah. Um, yeah, which is ridiculous. It is. Like. And, and that's how they get treated. Like, you know, being Muslim is a religion. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, I, I you know, I, I can't even equate it to something else. It would be like, we're banning everybody from England because they're Protestant. It's the same kind of ridiculousness or yeah, same you know, thing. we're banning everybody from Europe because they're Christian. You know, I mean, like you want to start talking about the, the terroristic things that the Catholic church has done. Look at the, look at the crusades. You know, look yeah. at look at the conquistadors who who Those came. You know what I mean? Like yeah. shit like that. Like people that killed um, uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, yet, you know, yet, yet a couple, a couple, you know, not a, not a couple. I mean, obviously there are more extremists uh, than a couple. You know there is ISIS, which is is founded on those ideas, but like also again, not indicative. Yeah, whatever happened to Al Qaeda? Like, do you ever think about that? Oh, they like, kind of well, a big so a big part of what happened in Al Qaeda is that it became a lot of them broke off and became ISIS. So ISIS started as a movement inside of Al Qaeda, and then Al Qaeda thought that ISIS was too extreme. You've got to be so, kidding me! So we so essentially, what was created was just a more extreme extremist. Group. Exactly. I mean, but that happens a lot in extremist groups. Like, like even um, the founder of the KKK eventually got kicked out because he wasn't extremist enough. It's the guy who founded the KKK. Um, and then uh, what else? The Westboro Baptist Church too. I mean, like uh, even that. Like the, right. they've had. I think the the father got kicked out or something like the guy who founded it all because he wasn't extremist enough anymore. You know what I mean? Like. Shit like that happens in these extremist religions. There's more extremist people, and it's also like you have to wonder: is it just a fight for power? Is it a fight for and like so like you're like you won't go far enough and like all that crazy? I don't know. It's it's insane. Um, so, anyways, getting back to the book, though, I mean, I think this use this beautifully uses the stories from the Quran and the Arabic language in a, in a, in a, uh, the Arabic writing in a beautiful graphic way. Yeah, man. And do you want to speak to the any more to the story, or just uh, go to our overviews? I'm sure it's four for both of us. I mean, we've already said yeah. that. But I mean, the story. The, I mean, the story is fantastic. I think it's laid out really well. I think the parallel stories with the Quran stories are are laid out really well. The nonlinear nature, I think, is done perfectly and beautifully. I mean, like I I, I have no complaints. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So this is a this is a thumbs up from Not So Super Podcast for Habibi yeah. and. Uh, Probably look for sometime in the future. We'll we'll take another glance at Fred, at uh, Craig Thompson, and uh, not sure when that'll be. But do you want to talk about what we will look at immediately? Yes. Next? So, all right. So the last two picks have been Brennan. So now we're all cut up. We're all even Stevens uh, in terms of our picks. So the next pick is mine, and uh, you know to give a little bit of a more lighter tone. Um, you know we're gonna do we're gonna do something shorter and lighter. So I chose uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Uh, now I know this is not a superhero podcast. The 
the turtles are heroes, yes, but they really don't have superpowers. I mean, they're mutated turtles, so they're not so they're highly so, trained. Yeah, so it's it, it's kind of skirting around our our premise, but I want to talk about that issue specifically because it was a hundred percent indie. Um, Yes. And the yeah. entire story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is absolutely fascinating, like just how they came into being and like just everything about it. So I really want to discuss it um, in this podcast. So that's going to be the next episode that we do is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Uh, you can find it, I believe, in – I mean I don't know if you can still – were you able to find it in a comic store or no? Like a, a no, I, I called around. I called about four, I think, uh-huh. and I also in that I called Barnes and Noble, and they didn't have any more. I remember seeing it on the shelf, but I don't think at this point forward they're gonna carry that. Okay, so um, where you can find it is you can find it in you can find it in comic book stores in graphic novel form with other issues of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're just doing the first one though, because uh, it's a complete standalone story, and we'll talk about that more. Um, on the next episode, but you can find it in graphic novel form, um, and you can also find it digitally. Uh, you can find it in both its original black and white digitally and colored. So um, it did originally come out in black and white, and then a few years ago, IDW, when they started republishing this stuff, they came out with the color classics, where they had um, the same artwork, obviously the original artwork, just get colored in a style that complemented it very well. Um, yeah, that's the that's what I read. And so you can read it that way as well. Um, and we'll kind of discuss that a little bit more detail in the next episode. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, originally published by Mirage Comics. Uh, now you can probably find the new stuff from IDW, who has the publishing rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, uh, Yeah, and maybe, maybe I start posting uh, on Instagram or other places that you guys follow us. Uh, what we're reading in a little bit more advanced so you guys can a little more book club style where you can get reading on it before we talk about it so we'll work at doing that yeah great cool all right so uh, any final thoughts to send us off with habibi brennan uh both thumbs up uh from us from me and matt um so that's four total thumbs up and a four across the board um from rating so i can't suggest this one more um Go buy it. It's it's so it's so gorgeous. Yeah, there should be a link in the show notes too to the Amazon. We were supported by Amazon. We're brought to you by Amazon. We get a little bit of a cut when you buy stuff through our portal, our Amazon portal. Um, doesn't cost you anything extra. Just when you buy it, we get a little bit of a kickback. So check out the links down in the show notes. Great. All right, everybody. So uh, thanks for joining us uh, for Not So Super Podcast. We've been your hosts, Brennan Khan and Matt Curley, and we will see you next week or next episode.